The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I went back and forth in my mind quite a bit about whether or not to do a show today or if the two shows from yesterday should actually have carryover, but there's been so much that I feel like we need to do something or we're going to lose too much ground. So welcome back to the third Micropod in our free agency series going on this week. I Again, I don't really know how many of these there are going to be. I don't know when I'm going to release them. I do know that we're going to have a total of five shows this week or more, but beyond that, we're kind of winging it a little bit. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, the uh, third Micropod slash Tuesday first edition of the show this week. It doesn't really matter. I'm Dan Vespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter, at Dan Vespris, or... You can just go ahead and follow HoopBall on Twitter. They are, of course, where we're from. Hoop-Ball.com, at HoopBallFantasy, at HoopBallTweets. Although I'm going to push the fantasy stuff right now because free agency week is a wonderful time to talk fantasy ramifications. We made some pretty good headway, particularly in our second micropod yesterday. First one was basically Lonzo Ball sign and trade, Will Barton going back to Denver, Daniel Tice going to Houston, which I actually thought was a more important free agent signing from a fantasy perspective than some of the bigger name guys. Uh, Micropod 2 last night covered Kelly Olynyk to Detroit, the Knicks re-signing three players but losing one, Tim Hardaway Jr. going back to Dallas, Mike Conley going back to Utah. So today, we can't fully go in chronological order because there are too many things that all sort of crisscrossed through yesterday evening and then into today and you kind of have to take the uh, full bucket all together when you're breaking down a team now which is going to require us to actually sort of discuss multiple signings multiple uh, pieces of news at the same time but let's try to keep this somewhat chronological with caveats that will sort of add in the other players that are going along with it uh, along with the sort of the big one I guess we'll see how that goes it's a difficult thing to work out if you're not doing it in real time I want to start today's podcast by again reminding all of you guys that if you're going to wager on anything this upcoming football or basketball season do it with our pals at mybookie.ag I, and this deal is only good through parts of this offseason, I will not only open your account for you, yep, that's right, I'll do the legwork, I will also make your first deposit for you. Not promo bucks, real dollars in your mybookie.ag account. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, give me a follow, and send me a note that says, Dan, I'm interested in learning how to bet, or something reasonable facsimile of that sentence, and I'll get you all set up with some money to play with, Real, not not play money. This is not promo stuff. This is real dollars you'll have to bet with. Hopefully you can grow it and you can make a withdrawal. I don't care. Go buy yourself something nice. Get yourself something nice. So yesterday we talked a bunch about the Knicks re-signing 
a host of players. And in this sort of mishmash of news breaks, you had uh, almost like a rapid fire, like an uh, like a machine gun style, smaller pieces of news uh, that did have that are going to have impact on things. But from a fantasy perspective, not a ton of them are going to create the value or diminish the value quite enough to where we're going to be making uh, fantasy jumps. So let's start to work our way through some of these names, and we'll pause and we'll get a little bit deeper on the stuff that requires it. TJ McConnell back with the Indiana Pacers. I do actually want to pause on this one just for a moment. Not so much pause as it is discuss kind of how we got to the TJ McConnell good stuff that surfaced last year. TJ played in 69 games last year. He was number 70 on a per-game basis, averages about 9.7 assists, a little less actually on each of those numbers, two steals per game, doesn't hit any three-pointers. He's like guard Thad Young out there, which I guess explains why I like his game so much. 56% from the field, 69% at the free throw line. He was also extraordinarily durable. Those 69 games mean that by totals, McConnell was number 33 this last year. Third round bleeping player this last season, which makes him a very valuable player in fantasy going forward. Why do I feel why do I feel confident? in making that type of statement about a guy who didn't even really come into this last season with playing time guaranteed, well, we saw that when multiple guys were out, McConnell was crazy good. He did all the stuff. But Doug McDermott is elsewhere, so that's at least one player that's off the books now for Indiana. Aaron Holiday got moved so that's another point guard, actually, that's off the books, which basically leaves Malcolm Brogdon, Karis Levert as your backcourt guys. Levert can also slide up and play small forward if they needed to. Jeremy Lamb is floating around in that mix, but it doesn't look like he has a whole lot left in the, the tank after the big injury. Maybe he comes roaring back this year, uh, and then we don't know what's going to go down with TJ Warren. So there are still a few question marks. Uh, wing players, Edmund Sumner's on the wing as well. What I believe this means, and the Pacers showed a willingness last year to play Brogdon at the two and go Brogdon and McConnell at the same time. I don't want to be blinded by the fact that McConnell had his best games when the guys around him were out. But I also don't want to ignore the fact that he continued to post solid fantasy value even when guys were back around him. In fact, there was really only this brief adjustment period right after Karis Levert came back near the end of April when Levert came back and McConnell's minutes dropped from like high 20s to low 20s and it looked like that was the end of the road. It turned out it wasn't. His minutes spiked back up. We had intermittent guys missing ball games. They, you know, uh, Malcolm Brogdon missed a few games here and there. And that is, that's always going to impact uh, McConnell's game. That's going to give him these, these artificial bumps. But look, here's what you guys need to realize. 25 minutes is enough for him. 25 minutes is enough because he's going to get you a ton of steals 
in that amount of time. And some of these other guys are going to miss games anyway. It's not going to be as good as last year. Aaron Holiday being gone helps a little bit, but he wasn't fully in the rotation anyway. You're looking at a guy who's going to be scraping together 24, 25 minutes when the other two main backcourt guys are still good to go in Brogdon and Lavert. But I would very much, especially in a head-to-head format where you can get a whole bunch of steals and assists from a guy that's not going to uh, kill you in any one statistical category. He's a better free throw shooter than he showed over the entire season. He's not going to hit any three-pointers, but you know what? You just sort of swallow that down. Is he going to be top 70 on a per-game basis again this year? Probably not, barring another decent injury to Brogdon or Lavert. But is he going to be inside the top 100? I think probably, yeah. So in Roto, upside is there, tied a little bit to whether or not the other guys on his team stay healthy during the season. And in head-to-head, the upside is there because of, again, durability. When teams have needed him to play, he's been good enough to do it. In fact, over McConnell's six NBA seasons, he's missed in order from his rookie season to this most recent one, 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 six, six, one, and three games. He's a durability monster. And we saw it this season. It all kind of came together for him where he got to play some minutes. Kind of like his second season in Philadelphia. This was pretty similar to that. Scored a little bit more, and that made a pretty big difference for him. Uh, but the steals have always been high for him. That's that's his thing. And if he's going to be out there for 25, 26 minutes, he's going to get you six assists, and he's going to get you one and a half or more steals per ball game. There's a lot to like about that. And I think a lot of people have already written him off as kind of a one-hit wonder because of the injuries suffered around him, uh, trades, things of that nature in Indiana. I think people have written him off as a guy that's not going to be able to come back and do it again next year. I think he will. Even though he now got paid. Especially at the beginning of a season. That's when everybody's really trying. He wants to win. Uh, Boban Marjanovic is back with the Dallas Mavericks. That's sort of a nothing thing. Campaign signed a three-year deal to return to the Phoenix Suns. We heard that Chris Paul, by the way, Chris Paul re-upped with Phoenix, but fantasy-wise, that doesn't change a whole lot. I, I already talked about how I don't trust a lot of the Suns that ran deep into the playoffs this year, particularly the older guys are, are looking at probably a slow start to the season with this truncated offseason again. Uh, so maybe that means campaign has a game here and there where he steps in for Chris Paul, has a decent one, but overall that one's sort of kind of a nothing. Duncan Robinson signed a five-year contract to stay with the Miami Heat. Um, so uh, we, we talked a bunch about Robinson when we broke down Miami a couple weeks ago. And I feel somewhat similar about his outlook going forward, if maybe even a tiny bit worse, because Kyle Lowry is on his way in. And I can't imagine that that helps Robinson's usage, although Kendrick Nunn is gone. So that's 12 shots that are off the board. Victor Oladipo, we don't know what's going on with him, but he's dude can't stay on the floor anyway. Uh, Goran Dragic likely out in the Kyle Lowry sign and trade, although we don't. he's in Toronto now, but he may get rerouted somewhere else. So that was not fully done yet. 
Is there an opportunity here for Robinson to get one more shot per game? That's basically where we're at now. He needs the free throw number to get back up closer to 90 instead of 80, and he needs to get 11 shots instead of 10, and I'd feel pretty damn comfortable taking him at around the 100 mark. But as he was this last year, durable though he may be, a much better head-to-head player than Roto because the upside is capped, uh, this is cool for him. This is great for Duncan Robinson and a good fit for the Heat. Everybody needs a shooter these days. Unfortunately, they, you know, they, he's not going to explode with per-game potential almost no matter what goes on around him. And there's even a, a chance here with Kyle Lowry coming in that he takes a tiny step backwards. I hope that Lowry being there allows Robinson to get even more open looks. But like this is a guy who basically shoots open three-pointers. And if they're not going down for an entire season... You could write that off. You could say this year was, was this year the outlier or was last year where he shot extraordinarily well? Which one was the real one? Yeah, head-to-head again. He's worth a flyer just after 100. Roto, I think you could find someone with more upside. He doesn't really fit that profile. Tory Craig is on his way to Indiana, and I don't care. He should be a backup wing at the very best and doesn't have much fantasy game anyway. Doug McDermott is headed to San Antonio to join the Spurs. We talked just a second ago about how he's no longer with the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, he's in San Antonio. And people are are, are celebrating this. I'll tell you, man, the Spurs, from a marketing standpoint, they've got it all figured out, man. Like, everybody's excited about the guys they're bringing in. And I am decidedly not because... And we'll get to some of these the bigger stuff happening here in, in just a few minutes. Uh, Doug McDermott? He was fine this last year, but he's very much not anything special. He potentially slides in as a starting small forward on this team with DeMar DeRozan now gone. Rudy Gay now gone. Patty Mills gone. Not that those guys were playing small forward anyway. But uh, Devin Vassell should see a decent amount of small forward minutes. Keldon Johnson should see a big chunk of power forward minutes. They uh, wound up with a few players from Chicago in the DeMar DeRozan sign-in trade that we're going to talk about here uh, momentarily that could play like Thad Young. He could get in there at power forward. They signed Zach Collins, who's more a center than anything else. I'm really not at all excited about what this team is going to do from a reality standpoint. Fantasy-wise, McDermott's a dude that needs uh, quite a lot of usage to hit markers. In 10 shots a game with Indiana this year, he was number 186, 25 minutes per game. I, I don't see him going to San Antonio and getting to do a whole lot more than that. He's a nice percentages guy, too, which when when you're looking at it and thinking what could actually improve with him it's got to be usage we need more shots more shots more shots not going to be enough i will kindly pass other guys that the spurs brought in uh just mentioned Zach Collins i'm not super interested in that i know that there's been this clamoring in portland that he has a bunch of fantasy game but he doesn't have any kind of consistency and he hasn't been able to still even stay even the tiniest bit healthy. So I don't think they're about to just cut him loose. They'll kid glove him through this thing. And I don't even really know what the Spurs are going to be trying to do. Because they're not good enough to compete right now in either conference, honestly. They'll get a few wins this year because they're not terrible. They have some good players like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, uh, Jakob Pertl's a decent center. But they're not good. And they don't have any star power on that team. So I, I really don't know what the hell they're doing 
uh, accumulating sort of uh, versatile players, I guess, but none of them all that great. Whatever. Jeff Green is on his way to Denver. He'll be joining the Nuggets on a two-year deal, and that's a big kind of F you to a whole bunch of teams that are better title contenders that I'm sure wanted him badly. He's not going to get to do enough out there. David Nwaba re-signed with the Rockets for 15 mil over three years. That's not going to be enough to impact anything. He's not going to play enough. Mo Harkless re-signed with the Kings. He was actually decent for Sacramento down the stretch this year, but uh, we've we've had Mo Harkless watch many times. He just doesn't do enough from a fantasy standpoint to get himself in the books right now. Not not without uh, not without something dramatic changing in Sacramento. I told you we'd do a, a handful of quick ones here as we zipped our way through it. Uh, Reggie Bullock to the Mavericks. I like that one. I think he's probably a head-to-head uh, guy you could look at in head-to-head leagues. His role with Dallas this coming year should not be all that different from his role with the Knicks this last year. The one big thing, and it's really more of a knock. I guess it's it's less of a knock on anyone than it is a, a fantasy thank you to Tom Thibodeau. There's almost no way he's going to play 34, 35 minutes a game anywhere that's not under tips he's a guy who just plays his dudes forever reggie bullock i think will be lucky to lucky to get 29 minutes in dallas the starter level type of stuff at most other teams is closer to that 29 30 as opposed to 33 to 35 are there going to be enough shots for him probably not i wouldn't draft him in roto there's no real upside there again this is someone you take near the end of a head-to-head draft that you can just drop into a lineup, get your three balls on decent percentages, maybe a steal here and there, but he's not going to blow the roof off the building. That is not upside hunting. Furkan Korkmaz stayed with the Sixers for three years and 15 mil. That also isn't really of uh, any note at all. So who cares? Let's keep going. Trying to use our time effectively here. Bobby Portis is back with the Bucks. I don't care. Oh, here's an interesting one. Gary Trent signed a three-year $54 million deal to stay with the Toronto Raptors. They got him, remember, in that midseason swaparoo with Norman Powell, who also just uh, signed a, a contract extension or new contract, I guess you, you'd probably classify it as. A uh, point we need to be making here on the Raptors side is that with no Kyle Lowry around and with the likelihood that Goran Dragic probably ends up on some other team, Gary Trent, who they just gave a whole bunch of money to, is going to play, and he's going to play a lot. The beauty of Toronto is that when they pick their guys, they play them a ridiculous sum of minutes. That's just always how it goes. The problem, of course, is that Gary Trent doesn't have a fantasy game that's super roto-friendly. He's a high-volume, low-field-goal-percent scorer who, when he gets hot, is lava-hot. You'll see some of those games pop up where he, you know, seven, eight, nine, three-pointers, 33 points, but it's only going to be like three boards and an assist. So you're hoping that in a starter's role, he can get you over one steal per game. You're hoping he can get to the free throw line, and you are praying that he doesn't shoot 40% on that crazy high volume because it's a very real possibility for a dude who's a 42% career field goal percent guy. 
He take he took a lot of shots in Toronto this year. 15 and a half with the Raptors on 39.5% from the field. So there's a lot of room for Devontae Graham style downside, but none of the assists, which makes Gary Trent a much better option in points leagues than category leagues. But with him getting this big money contract and likely to get a pretty large role with the team and take a whole bunch of shots, you kind of have to swing for it. Assume that with Lowry gone, he'll have an opportunity to do a little bit more passing. It's not going to be a bunch because his assists are pretty consistent. 1.4 in Portland, 1.3 in Toronto, played over 30 minutes a game in both spots this year and couldn't hit fantasy value in either one of them despite averaging almost three three three-pointers a game. It's because of the low field goal percent. It's because he's not a big-time free-throw guy. It's because he doesn't pass or rebound. He has these gaping holes in his fantasy game. And as much as I'd love to say this is a this guy's a shoe-in for value in Roto, he's not. Game cap Roto, you're probably going to be looking for someone who, well, uh, frankly, is doing more with their minutes on the floor. I don't know. I'm trying not to be a jerk about it, but... He, he just has, what is it, one uh, rebounding, passing, blocks, but who cares? I mean, that's a guard position. Field goal percent. There's like a, there's three to four categories where he's downright bad. I'm less excited about Gary Trent Jr. in nine-cat formats and certainly less excited in eight-cat formats. There's just, there are just problems with his fantasy game that, yeah, maybe playing 34, 35 minutes a game in Toronto could help fix them because of usage, because he's just going to be out there long enough, but it's not a guarantee, and it does cap the upside. Alex Len went to Sacramento. Nobody cared. Mike Muscala re-signed with the Thunder. Nobody cared. We already talked about Zach Collins. I'm not in on him. He'll play a little bit, but I'm not about to take a flyer there. Trevor Ariza to the Lakers. Wayne Ellington to the Lakers. Uh, These are uh, Dwight Howard to the Lakers. Solomon Hill back to the Atlanta Hawks. Jamichael Green and Jeff Green, both with the Nuggets, neither one of them likely to have much in the way of fantasy value. Uh, Evan Fournier, he signed just uh, a a smidge. I think we finished up with him yesterday. Or we didn't finish up. I think he was the guy I said we would start with today, and then I completely abandoned that plan. Evan Fournier is uh, now a member of the New York Knicks, and they gave him a a chunk, a four-year deal worth close to 80 million dollars which tells me a couple of things it tells me number one they're willing to cut him loose they're willing to let him play and all the hopes we had yesterday of alec burks seeing enough playing time to make an impact pretty much gone about as fast as they appeared gone as fast as they showed up two it's gonna cut into uh guys like rj barrett and julius randall and Derek rose because they're just gonna have another guy on the team who's a good offensive player. Fournier, in this this total rat bleep of a year, played only 42 games, had COVID, was injured, his knees, what, his back, all this stuff, still was inside the top 85 on a per-game basis, and you know Tibbs is going to run his ass into the ground. He'll play him 34 minutes a night. That's a big... That's over a 10% bounce over this season where he played 30. Fournier is someone I think we need to be targeting. 
in fantasy drafts this year. I've, I really do believe that. He's been on the Dan Vespers old man squad for a decade straight at this point. Um, but now it's time for him to shine. When he's on, he's on. He was he actually looked great with Orlando this season when he was briefly healthy. With the Magic this last year, taking 14 shots a game, he was at 20 points, three boards, four assists, a steal, and almost three three-pointers a game on 46% from the field and 80% at the free-throw line. He's actually had plenty of seasons where he's been better than that at the foul line. I don't know. That's a number that fluctuates a little bit for players based on how they're feeling. I would assume he's around 80%, but there's a chance he could inch up to 82 or 83 even, which makes him a positive free throw guy. He's not going to murder you at the field goal percent marker. Good three-pointers. Generally passes relatively well, so like maybe two and a half to three and a half assists, and then around a steal per game in normal starters minutes. I think we're looking at an Evan Fournier inside the top 70 per game kind of year because they didn't give him $20 million a year to hang around and come in when they need a flamethrower off the bench. He's their starter. I'm assuming he just slots right into Reggie Bullock's role. He's probably the Knicks starting small forward this year. Although they could move some bodies around. Derrick Rose, if he moves to the bench... I, you know, what are they going to do with their point guard spot? It was Alfred Payton for stretches. Is it going to be Emmanuel quickly? There, there's still some question marks with the Knicks as to who's actually going to be where. One thing I think we can feel pretty confident of, Fournier is going to start and he's going to play over 30 minutes a night. Look at him as a seventh rounder this coming year. With injury issues, he's not super durable, not horrible, usually. I mean, this year was a particularly bad example. Missed six games last year, only one the year before that. Uh, 25 the year before that, 14 and three going backwards. So it's it's a little all over the map with him. He's got lingering backs, things that creep up every once in a while. I think you should probably handicap him to miss about 10 to 12 games, which should put him maybe a hair under fantasy league average for number of games played. So I think... That makes him maybe a little bit more valuable in Roto than head-to-head, but I would certainly take a look at him in both because he's not a sexy name. He's going to a place where, even though the pace is going to be slow, he's going to play a ton, and he's going to get a ton of looks because he's just better on offense than a lot of the guys on that Knicks team. This should be a really good fantasy season for Evan Fournier. I like that move a lot. It gets him out from behind three other better wings in Boston. Eh, two plus, I guess. It was a good situation for him in Orlando. He could really fly under the radar there. This is probably your one shot with Fournier because once he has a good year with New York, everybody's going to see it. Nick Batum staying with the Clippers on a two-year deal. Uh, He had basically worked himself outside the fantasy bubble once Marcus Morris was fully healthy, so that probably doesn't change very much. Alex Caruso, four years with Chicago. He will not have fantasy value there. JaVale McGee, one year to Phoenix. There's actually a crazy mixed-up world where he has fantasy value, but it's not going to be a uh, a great one. DeAndre uh, Ayton is going to see the bulk of the mids at center, but if there's like 16 to 18 off the bench, maybe you get McGee there. I wouldn't draft him. Corey Joseph, back to the Pistons after they waived him on a two-year, $10 million deal. He's going to be a veteran back up there, not playing significant minutes. I would not take the plunge. 
Cody Zeller to Portland to back up Yusuf Nurkic. That's only worth monitoring if Nurkic gets hurt again. Zeller is your handcuff. He's new in his canter. Austin Rivers back to the Nuggets for a year. No one cares. Here's one. Norman Powell, five-year, $90 million deal to stick with the Portland Trailblazers. And this is actually worth pursuing on the podcast, if just for a moment. It doesn't have to be a big-time discussion because we did... We already got a pretty good idea of what what Powell is. And what Powell is, uh, is a guy you should have on your fantasy team. He had some trouble shooting the ball in Portland after the midseason trade. 27 games with the Blazers, shot just 44% from the field. And that's a shame, if only because a lot of his value... We talked about this with Doug McDermott. Norman Powell is like Doug McDermott uh, just blasted with superpowers. He's great percentages guy but where McDermott was unable to to get to Powell has been able to and that's 12 or more shots per game in Toronto this year Powell took 13 and a half shots per game uh, shot 50% from the field 44% from downtown pretty remarkable number there 87% at the free throw line great free throw shooter but he doesn't do a whole lot else. Three rebounds, two assists per game. He does get more steals than the aforementioned Doug McDermott does, so at least there's a little bit of value juiced into the steals part of the equation. But then, if he gets, if the percentages suffer, which they did during his the Portland leg of this 2020-2021 campaign, uh, the fantasy numbers will fall as well. And I think that now creates a tiny window for us to grab Norman Powell. He was basically a top 100 guy with the Blazers, mostly because his shot wasn't falling. 16 and a half points, two threes, three and a half boards, two assists, a steal, great free throw percent. That's all pretty much in line with what you'd expect from the guy getting shots behind CJ McCollum and behind Damian Lillard. Getting around 13 shots a game is actually, frankly, pretty high by all accounts. He's probably not getting back to where he was in Toronto last year, where he was closer to 14 shots a night, but 13 will do. Honestly, even a little bit less than that might do, provided the field goal percent comes back up where it was in Toronto each of the last two seasons, which is 49% or higher. And there's reason for optimism because in the postseason this year with Portland, they didn't have that many ball games, so limited sample size, he shot 50%. 17-2-2 two two with uh, about a steal. He got a block a game in the playoffs. You're not going to expect that to continue. Uh, took fewer three-pointers in the postseason, and frankly, I'd be okay with that if the field goal percent is back up where it needs to be. So Norman Powell, uh, not a giant upside guy again unless... Someone like a McCollum does get moved for Portland this offseason. But uh, Portland, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see how they can just run it back the way they had it. They have a decent starting five. Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, Nurk. That's solid. A lot of offense there. One defender in Rob Covington. Uh, Powell's okay, I guess, on that end of the floor. Not great. I, I, I just... There's a stagnation fear that sets in, but that also might be part of the upside built in with Powell. If anybody gets moved, it's probably not going to be for someone who takes as many shots as CJ or Dame. I don't think Dame's getting moved, but McCollum might. It remains to be seen.
still zooming along through the names on our list. Um, man, I've lost my place. Son of a gun. Uh, do, 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 do. Where, where were you? Oh, Trey Lyles is going to the Pistons. Who cares? P.J. Tucker to Miami. That's not fantasy relevant. Gorgie Jang uh, to Atlanta to back up Clint Capella. Garrett Temple's deal with the Pels is $15 million. Nobody cares. Devontae Graham to the Pelicans. We mentioned him in passing on yesterday's show. He uh, puts a pretty fat lid on the uh, Kira Lewis, Nikhil Alexander-Walker thing. I mean, you're looking at a, a, a bit of an issue there on the Devontae Graham front. I, I, uh, I don't think I'm drafting any of the guards on the Pels at this point. And I know we talked about it a bit on, on yesterday's second show, so I don't want to waste waste no i don't want to use any more time on that here on today's blake griffin is going to be staying in brooklyn for another year and this is actually worth monitoring because part of blake griffin's value late in the year jumped uh anytime guys were out and that's going to happen from time to time this coming season also well, Griffin was actually pretty close to fantasy value towards the end of the year and only about 23-24 minutes per ball game. If Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden are all healthy, there's almost no way anyone else on this team can walk into fantasy value. There's almost no way. There's, there aren't enough shots, and the other guys on this team don't have the fantasy game to create value without shots, other than Nick Claxton. He's the only guy on the roster, besides the big three, who can have fantasy value in a low-minute count. Everybody else needs a bunch of minutes or a bunch of shots. Claxton's the only one that might not need as many. Maybe he plays his way into more this year. I'm not banking on that either. So Blake Griffin, pass. Unless you think someone's getting hurt, which they probably will. I still don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, I, I don't know how they could possibly roll Blake Griffin center full-time out there. I guess there's a wild universe where maybe that happens, but I wouldn't bank on it. That's a roll of the dice. That's a late, that's an end of your roto draft, like pick 180, take Blake Griffin, see what happens kind of thing. Uh, Kent Bazemore to the Lakers, that's fun, but we don't care. Dwayne Dedman back to Miami, that also is fun, but we don't care. Max Struess re-signs with the Heat on a two-year deal, also we don't care. Ben McLemore to the Portland Trailblazers, Semi Ojale to the Milwaukee Bucks, a whole bunch of we don't cares. Trey Young, $200 million extension. That's awesome. We don't care. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, $170 million extension. Also awesome. Also for fantasy, we don't care. Gabe Vincent to the Heat on a two-year deal. We don't care. And here are a couple that we do care about. Thing we care about, number one, Rashawn Holmes. Hoopball's prodigal son staying with the Sacramento Kings on a four-year, $55 million deal. That is a great deal for Sacramento. That is a damn steal. And it just, the market wasn't quite right for Rashawn. Uh, but you know what? It's weird to say that someone getting $55 million, dude, has been toiling in obscurity for far too long when he had the game to be doing much more. The Kings sort of backed into getting a whole bunch of Rashawn, and that center job is his. They got some backups. Tristan Thompson will back him up. Alex Len will back him up. But Rashawn's playing 28-plus minutes a game this year because he's just better, and he is a freaking fantasy goldmine. 
He is a third rounder as a starter, and there's no reason to expect anything less. He's a head-to-head behemoth. He's a roto behemoth. I don't care how you stack this thing up. He's likely to still be a fantasy value, despite the fact that we have now seen it in full-time action for basically two seasons in a row, playing goodly minutes in Sacramento, his role only increasing year over year. There's nothing not to like about Rashawn Holmes. I guess you could point to he does miss games here and there, plays himself into knee stuff and things like that, so maybe you're looking at 70 out of 82 games this coming year, and and for head-to-head purposes, maybe that hurts you a bit. But Roto Games Cap, I cannot imagine this dude is going any earlier than the fifth round. Like, I'd be floored if Rashawn Holmes is going before 45. And he can blow past that number on a per-game basis with his eyes closed. Because both percentages are good for him. Field goal percent, great. Free throw percent, solid for a center. He rebounds, he blocks, he scores, he doesn't turn it over. He's a gem. He could be a number one center on your fantasy team if you don't get you know, first-round type of center. He, he's really, really fantasy great. Loses value in 8-cat, loses value in points leagues because his percentages are so good and they're less interesting. Uh, but 9-cat, Rashawn Holmes to the moon, friends. He'll make all of our lists because I don't think people still have caught up. I don't know how, but I, I don't believe it. I still, I, like, people still are skeptical after all this time. Otto Porter is joining the Warriors on a minimum deal. I want to convince myself to care about this one, but I'm not going to because at some point, Clay Thompson is going to be back and going to be healthy, and there's just not going to be enough, uh, as our good friend Aaron Bruski likes to say, there's not going to be enough meat on that bone. What's left? Steph, Clay, Dre, Wiggins. If they're trying to get Wiseman more involved this coming season, Otto Porter's not going to get enough time, and his body just won't hold up. So as much as I'd love to put him on an old man squad, nope, we will kindly pass. So that one was one that maybe looked more interesting than it actually was, but here's one that actually is interesting, and that is Spencer Dinwiddie is nearing a deal that would send him to the Washington Wizards. I don't believe that this one is fully done yet, but we are going to handicap it on today's show as though it is. This is basically... As great a situation for Dinwiddie as you could possibly imagine. He's going to a Washington team that just lost Russell Westbrook and has basically a usage void next to Bradley Beal. A bunch of guys that are not accustomed to doing a whole bunch of things with the basketball. One guy, you might argue, in Rui Hachimura that has inklings, I think, of wanting to take more shots, wanting to be a bit more involved, but not an initiator by any stretch of the imagination. So we have to compare what Dinwiddie's about to look at with probably, not this season, but the COVID-shortened year in Brooklyn when it was uh, the Kevin Durant red shirt, Kyrie Irving basically sits out the whole year season. And Dinwiddie, who, mind you, has pretty big fantasy issues. He's a terrible shooter, 41% in his career. He's not good enough at the free throw line to where that can cover For the other one, he's basically average at the foul line. He doesn't get defensive stats under one 
per 36, basically, in his career, or right around one per 36, and he's probably not going to play the full 36 minutes, not coming off a giant injury. But with Bradley Beal, the only other guy in town that's really looking at taking a bunch of shots, you could see Dinwiddie get back up to that 16, 17 shot mark this coming year in Washington. If this thing goes down, and then you're talking 20-plus points per game, seven or more assists, that covers up the fact that he doesn't do much defensively. Two three-pointers, bad field goal percent. He will be a points league monster this year. He will have his issues in nine-cat formats because the turnovers are probably going to be relatively high, which makes him bad at turnovers, bad at steals, bad at field goal percent, not good enough at free throw for a guy who's actually going to get to the line fairly often and could have an actual positive impact there if he could get it into the low 80s. If he gets traded to Washington, this is a guy who almost definitely gets drafted too early, but, well, at least in nine-category leagues, may possibly because in points leagues, he could go, like you're talking about someone who could basically be top 50 in points leagues and might not break the top 100 in nine-category formats because of that horrendous field goal percent. But he's a big-time name to watch and a huge winner if, indeed, this thing goes down and completes itself. Sam Decker's back in the NBA. He signed with the Toronto Raptors, but we don't care. Uh, Rudy Gay is on his way to Utah to play some backup four, and we don't really care. Uh, Nemanja Bielica is going to Golden State. Don't care. Rodney Hood to Milwaukee. Don't care. Bruce Brown accepts the qualifying offer to return to Brooklyn useful as a waiver wire pickup if Kyrie Irving or James Harden or someone like that actually goes down. James Johnson to Brooklyn, don't care. Andre Drummond now backing up Joel Embiid, don't care. Taj Gibson back to the Knicks to play with Tom Thibodeau, don't care. Robin Lopez is going to Disney World, and I assume he'll be playing with the Orlando Magic at some point in that mix as well. Nope. Abdul Nader, Phoenix, nope. Patty Mills to Brooklyn, nope. Uh, Didi Lusada to the Pelicans. Nope. Steph Curry, four-year, $215, uh, $215, $250 million extension. That's great for him, but again, doesn't really matter. Lakers added some more veterans, Carmelo Anthony, uh, the younger guy, Malik Monk, also not super relevant. And then the big one that, oh, Lakers also re-signed Taylor Norton Tucker to a three-year deal. He's probably, and, and brought in Kendrick Nunn. None of these guys is going to have value as long as LeBron James is around, but THT is a guy to watch as uh, time goes forward. Lakers losing Markeith Morris, it sounds like. He'll be going to the Miami Heat. Uh, So Lakers got none and uh, gave away Keefe in any event. But the big one that fell in between all of that stuff is not Tony Snell going to the Blazers for a one-year deal. It's the sign-and-trade involving DeMar DeRozan. Al Farouk Aminu, who did actually play a little bit down the stretch last year, and then Thad Young, who had a big role with Chicago last year, are on their way to San Antonio, and DeMar is headed to the Chicago Bulls, who have totally revamped their roster in the last six months, bringing in Vooch, bringing in Lonzo Ball, now bringing in DeMar DeRozan, and suddenly Zach Levine has every reason in the world to stick around in Chicago as they, listen, we have to be honest with ourselves, they're not a title contender with this current team build but they're also a very good eastern conference team they're i i would say pretty easily in the top six 
And then anything beyond that will come down to how the chemistry works. And that'll be a thing because uh, Lonzo is good enough at playing that he doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. He's not a terrific slasher by any stretch, but he can space the floor now. He's kind of fixed his three-point stroke. Um, He does a lot of things, which makes him useful. DeMar DeRozan is an initiator. Zach Levine's an initiator. Vooch can play in the pick and roll, but he's also a guy that does need to be doing things on offense. I'm not going to throw out the, "Eh, there's only one basketball, the old adage, because that's dumb. They'll figure out a chemistry thing as the season goes along. But what won't happen is that the guys on this team just simply won't have the value they had last year. When DeMar DeRozan was the alpha in San Antonio, he's probably the third option on Chicago. Zach Levine was the number one guy, and he probably still is the number one guy, but now suddenly the numbers two and three and even four guys are all far better than they were at the beginning of last season. This is the Trey Young thing. Zach Levine's coming off this brilliant NBA campaign, but it's just not going to be possible to repeat that if he's not taking 20 shots a game, and I don't think they want him taking 20 shots a game. It's dumb to say there's only one basketball. It's not wrong. It's just a little bit dumb. It's lazy analysis because chemistry always sorts these things out as a season progresses. But what is not dumb is to say there's only X number of shots in a ball game. And the Bulls played pretty fast last year. Maybe they play even a tiny bit faster. I doubt it. But that can only cover so much when you're talking about three very high usage guys. DeRozan, Vooch, Levine. There's not going to be as much. There will be enough. There will be some. But there's not going to be as much. Vooch, 20 shots? Probably not. Levine, 20 shots? Probably not. DeMar, 15 shots and 7 free throws? Probably not. Adjust all of these guys down in your rankings. Luckily, Vooch always goes way too low anyway, so he might even still beat his mark. And I don't even, I don't have a clue where DeMar Rosen's going this year, but th- this is a big knock. I, I'm assuming all three of those guys get overdrafted. Levine definitely will be. DeMar, maybe. Vooch is the one where there's a possibility he might still not get overdrafted because he's just. So quietly fantasy awesome that people never take notice. But what I am a little bit interested in is what kind of role can Thad Young carve out in San Antonio? He feels like he fits whatever they like to do out there so nicely. Not that they have all this magical playing time that's about to come about at the power forward spot, but Rudy Gay did leave, so perhaps he just kind of steps into those 21 minutes. Doug McDermott is a little bit more than a three than a four. More of a 2-3. Keldon Johnson is the 4, most likely 28 minutes at the 4. You could see Thad play you know, 18, 19 minutes power forward. Maybe he gets 5 or 6 at, at small forward. And they're going to need facilitating on that team because they don't have much offense anymore. With DeMar gone, Murray is a decent offensive player, more well-rounded. Derek White, kind of the same thing, decent offensively, but a little more well-rounded. Nobody wants to take a a truckload of shots on this team. DeMar was the A number one. 15 shots and seven free throws a game. 
if you call that three and a half extra possessions, you're talking about eight and a half possessions that he finishes. DeJounte was at 15 and a half finished possessions. Nobody else was above 14. So yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at Thad Young this last season, it wasn't as though he did his damage by taking a truckload of shots. It was him playing kind of within the confines of Chicago's offense and doing a lot of orchestrating for the Bulls. Am I going to draft him? Probably not. 12.6 boards, 4.3 assists. That number felt weirdly high and extremely difficult to replicate. But he did it in 24 and, and changed minutes per ball game. So it's hard to it's hard to fault him when Thad was number 107 this year in 24 minutes. Could he get 24 minutes in San Antonio? Yeah, he could. Probably more head-to-head upside than Roto because he's very good with steals. Get you some boards, some assists, good field goal percent. Roto, I mean, really, what are the odds he gets 28, 29 minutes a game? I would say basically zero. It's not getting that high. And if you're looking for Roto Games Cap performances to push your team forward, yeah, you need guys that just sort of keep the boulder in place, but the, the difference makers in Roto are the guys that move the rock forward. Thad's probably not going to be that guy this year. But his role in San Antonio shouldn't be that different than his role in Chicago. Because as I just mentioned, the Spurs don't really have obvious offense. And they're probably going to need a veteran out there as this team heads a little bit the wrong way. And that's where we're at right now. That basically gets you guys all caught up. It's been a, a whirlwind you're caught up to the early afternoon on Tuesday. Maybe we'll do another one of these tomorrow. I don't know. Depends on how the news breaks. If not, we'll finally start to uh, finish up some of our team-by-team breakdowns. Thanks for listening to these last couple of days, these three free agency shows. I am Dan Vespers. Fantasy NBA Today, the name of the show. If you're new to the program, please do take a moment to click that subscribe button. That's big for us, by the way, because uh, then you'll... Get alerts when we drop all of our shows going forward. Also, five-star reviews. Much uh, appreciated. This is a HoopBall presentation. Follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter to get all of these news breaks as they happen. And that's that. Back at you tomorrow. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.